On the afternoon of August 18, 1973, five young people in a Volkswagen van ran out of gas on a farm road in South Texas. Four of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Sally Hardesty Enright, was picked up on a roadside, blood-caked and screaming murder. Sally said she had broken out of a window in hell. The girl babbled a mad tale. A cannibal family in an isolated farmhouse. Chainsawed fingers and bones. Her brother, her friends, hacked up for barbecue. Chairs made of human skeletons. Then she sank into catatonia. Texas lawmen mounted a month-long manhunt, but could not locate the macabre farmhouse. They could find no killers and no victims. No facts, no crime. Officially, on the records, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre never happened. But during the last 13 years, over and over again, reports of bizarre, grisly chainsaw mass murders have persisted all across the state of Texas. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has not stopped. It haunts Texas. It seems to have no end. There's a thud. Whatever. That's all I need. Hey, welcome to Moviecation Podcast. I'm Brady. I'm Joe. I'm Tyler. I'm Cole. (laughs) This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, We have decided to scrap the idea of 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 the podcast and change things up a bit. Um. Right off the bat, let me just say that our name is Moviecation, not Movie Vacation put together, but Movie Education put together. Um, I actually told a couple people like the name of the podcast that already knew about the podcast, and both of them go, oh, I thought it was Movie and Vacation together. So apparently <laughs> there's some confusion there. So to clarify, it's Movie and the word Education put together, not Movie and the word Vacation put together. <laughs> Yeah, we can, I, I we can understand where the issue becomes <laughs> from because we rarely actually give you any type of educational information from it because well we kind of do in a way like because reviewing a movie is educating people yeah. who haven't seen said movie like because people review like read critics reviews or like imdb scores and stuff like that so in a way yes but we kind of want to like change things up and there's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen. There's a bunch of movies Tyler hasn't seen. There's a bunch of movies Joe's haven't seen. There's a bunch of movies that Cole hasn't seen that Cole really should have seen because out of the four of us, he's the only one who apparently went to a film school. But God knows what kind of film school this was because they didn't show in Pulp Fiction or Fight Club. And I feel like those are two two movies that you walk out of they film school. They showed us Django Unchained and Rear Window. Those are the two I remember yeah, watching. We're- we're still questioning what film school Cole went to. He doesn't. I never pro- said it was a good film school. He won't I provide said I went a name. To a film school. He won't provide a name. He won't provide provide a year when he went. So, yeah. For all I, we know, I mean, it was. To, like I get, I, I get. Django's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but why would you start uh, with Django? You you should start with Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. Dead Putting Society was dead. Poet Society was another one that we watched. That's a good I mean, that's a good Dead Pudding Society sounds delicious. Not going to lie. <laughs> the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> oh, Jello, my Jello? What, was that the quote or something? I don't know. Um, so, in an effort to live up to our name, Moviecation, Movie Education, Again, not movie vacation. They got it. Uh, We are going to educate 
both well today's episode at least we are going to educate both Tyler and Cole on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre but we're also doing this in collaboration with the podcast Diagnosing a Killer did I say that correct Tyler please tell me I said that correct yes you said it right awesome (laughs) who you can find on Spotify for sure Apple for sure anywhere you could probably find a podcast you could probably find their show um what are their names patreon as well uh coel and kenna and tyler you probably described the episode best so or their show best better than i can so why don't you tell the audience what the show's about uh basically each week they uh it's kind of like what we're doing now honestly like one of them surprises the other with like a serial killer that they're talking about and it's not like as glorifying as like all the other ones are where like it's all about like how awesome this serial killer was and stuff like that they go more into the psychology of the killer and what made him like this like they they usually spend some time like actually trying to like diagnose him and stuff like that it's a really interesting take on the usual true crime podcast and as an avid true crime podcast listener i love the way they approach it because it's not i mean it's informational um and they're very good about cracking tasteful jokes in between some of the stuff because like (laughs) talking about murders for an hour can get taxing oh yeah (laughs) so you gotta crack a little joke here and there um but it's not just like i don't know okay so the best way to describe it is there's this tiktok sound where it's like a, a female like sitting in their onesie eating popcorn and like the sound of the video is just like his head was chopped off his legs were chopped off his his toes were cut in half like and that's not <laughs> what they're doing the whole episode not and that's what a lot of like true Maybe crime podcasts kind of do lately is they they'll pick a case and be like the victim's body was ripped in half with a torso and yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't really get into like the super goriness of it. They yeah. get into the more of the mental side of everything, which is an interesting approach as far as true crime goes. Cause mental health is, is super important, mm. but it's also rare that like true crime podcasts actually take the time to not just, well, this guy did this and that's our episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> And some, some, not all true crime podcasts, but some true crime podcasts are more so, more so about like the victims and things like that, which is totally fine. Yeah. But again, it doesn't really get into more than just the goriness of it. Um, I actually really love their, love their show. I listen pretty much weekly. Um, and there's been a couple of times where they've actually thrown out movie facts that I enjoy hearing. So Yeah. So we are dropping their their episode this week is on Ed Gein. So that's why we ended up picking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we're dropping this the same day they dropped their episode. Yep. So listen to both. Um I just want to say uh thank you to Koala and Kenna for collaborating with us. Yes. But Tyler, are you telling me that it's a two-person show mm-hmm. where the host brings in the story and so and the listener has no idea what the information is going to be about. Are well, the other host has the dollop. No inf- <laughs> I'm comparing it to the dollop. <laughs> I mean, they're in good company then. So they are in good company. That's, I mean, that's a very good comparison to have. I'm just saying, like when you said that, I was like, 
That all sounds very familiar. <laughs> it's it's not as comedy based as the dollop, but yes. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but, but cool, you know, I really appreciate them like collaborating with us and I'm sure they're much more organized than we are. I haven't had time to listen to them yet, but I'm sure they're much more organized. Oh, they most definitely, definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know we know what the loose peg is in this in this group. Yeah, Joe. Cole. It's me. Daniel Cole okay. Everybody beat me to the joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's me, Mario. Yeah, Brady's the square peg in the round hole here. Anyway, um, but before we get started on all that, what should I start with? Should I start with my quick little go-go juice reviews, or should I make yes. a controversial statement? Which one should I start with? Controversial I got, statement. I got I got a couple movies. Can we can we still, can we cover a couple movies I saw lately? Well, that I'm also that's what I'm talking. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I'm just like, but I feel like I don't, before you, after you finish, I want to cover the couple. Ones okay, because I have literally seven that I'm going to quick fire off. Yeah, y'all, okay. y'all go for it because I haven't really seen anything lately. So okay, because this is our first episode since January. So yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's go, Joe. What do you got? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Uh, anything so new? Saw, anything good? I saw one new and one old that I've always that I'm always thinking about. Um, Saw Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, which um, was has it's if if you're of course if you're online it's had mixed reviews. People you know critics are saying it's, it's not great, but audience reviews are saying it's really really good. I happen to actually enjoy the movie. I thought it was great. Um, easily the best Ant Man movie so far. I was very happy with it. And Cole can shutter his mouth all he wants, but he can go fuck himself um, because unlike him, I don't. I don't overhype these movies for myself. I never did. Um, I take them at face value. Um, I thought their story, their introduction to Kang was pretty good. What I I felt that this is what, this is what, um, what the fuck's it called? Multiverse of Madness should have been similarly to. Um, and I felt like if they, if they wanted to, to save, what little dignity that multiverse of madness had when they started showing the multiverses they could have used um they could have done it as the, the extra credit scene they could have like weaved us into one of those multiverses in the background and showed us kang landing in in the quantum realm and being like where am i and then that's where we can pick up for ant-man um but i had that idea afterwards but anyway i thought it was really really good uh i enjoyed everything about it the right amount of comedy, the right, right amount of seriousness, and the right amount of action. Uh, Jonathan Majors was, was awesome as Kang. Dude was jacked. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, I still need to go back in, into a letterbox and put a review down for it, though. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, I found a movie that it's one of those movies that I, like, I randomly uh, think of from time to time. Like I saw it as a kid. And I always think, like, what would happen in that movie after I saw it? Um, and it was The Messenger, the story of Joan of Arc, which had um, Mila, is it Jovovich? Right? Okay, Mila Jovovich. Uh, Luke Besson was the director, which is the director for The Fifth Element. Um, and it's the story of Joan of Arc. And if you don't know who Joan of Arc is, um, she, um, she was a female who lived in France, and she believed she was sent by God to... Uh, to lead France to freedom and to give them their king. Um, so she was like on a, a 
a mission from God to lead their army. Uh, in the movie, she um, she goes to the to like the king in waiting for France, which is played by John uh, uh, John Malkovich, um, and uh, tells him like, "Look, God sent me, told me to come look for you, just to crown you king. I can I can save us." So she does all of that, and then when he becomes king, he basically betrays her, and they try her for heresy because they think, oh, she didn't really hear God, and then they burn her at the stake. And that's one of those movies that came out in 2000, and I would have been nine in 2000. And it's one of those movies where I probably shouldn't see, I shouldn't have seen as a nine-year-old, but I know I did, because I, I thought about it all the time. Uh, and I have, like, I just got into my head yesterday. I was like, what happened to that movie? So I found it and I watched it and it was pretty good. I have, have y'all know me though. I have like a, a, a fatuation with like period, you know, period, like medieval movies. This one's about medieval and religion technically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, that's, I saw that yesterday and I was like, oh, it's good to see this movie again. What's it, uh, streaming on? Um, Amazon prime for free. Okay, cool. I might look into that. Sounds cool. It, I, I liked it. Good, good action for being, you know, kind of small. Yeah. So that's all I got. Go ahead, Brady. Uh, before I go, Cole, just a simple yes or no with a tiny, tiny explanation, as tiny as you can get. But I saw a review for Ant Man. Are you finally getting burnt out on these films? So here's the thing. I've been burnt out since, honestly, since I've been burnt out personally since uh, Far From Home, the second Spider-Man movie. That was when I finally started to get burnt out, but now it's finally hitting like fully. Because Joe and I talked when we saw your review and your review is 100% a person that is just done with these movies. I just, I was just frustrated. Because talking talking to a kid that literally went to go see, literally got COVID because he went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home or whatever. What, yeah. like four times in the span of two days or something yeah. like that. To, I don't know if I'm going to see this movie again. I probably won't. Yeah, that's the thing about this. I <clears throat> Joe made some good points. Uh, Jonathan Majors is hands down the best part of this movie. I... Do not feel I feel is the it is the weakest of the Ant-Man movies just because it does to me it did not feel like an Ant-Man movie. It I'm gonna just, stop you right there and I'll tell you why you feel that way because it's not com- as comedy oriented as it usually is. No, 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 and no, you're, no, no, has, you're has, very heavy on the comedy stuff. I'm no, well, I I'm was not. gonna say I was gonna say it's because it doesn't have Edgar Wright in it or producing it or anything. So he, here's my thing. And go if you think back to the first <laughs> movie, we got all these great shots of him shrinking and doing stuff while he's small and shit, and you know, doing all this Ant Man stuff. We even got some of that in the second movie. We don't get a whole lot of that here. He's pretty much Giant Man for most of the for a good majority of the movie, which is fine. But I'm just I was just sitting there and I'm like, man, this. And while I'm watching, I'm thinking this movie's missing something. And it wasn't until after I, I saw it and got home and started thinking, I'm like, yeah, they they don't do a lot of stuff with the shrinking like they did it. I don't well, know. if you think about it, look at the first one. Yeah, they they showed him a lot going small. In the second one, you see him go big. Okay, we've covered small and big. What what more do you want them to do? They've they've shown what his power range is, 
he can only be big or small. He can go yeah. smaller. So what more do you want? I, I don't know. I just uh-huh. I was exactly. just disappointed. Also, the the right want my last point. The writing for Janet was fucking atrocious. Oh, oh I can't I can't tell anyway. you. I can't I can't tell you this. I can't t- just fucking tell them. Jesus Christ. Did, okay. Anyway. As a person who was fixing to unionize against Disney World. I feel like you should under, I understand not, her approach that, more. He so. does not speak for me. I am not. No, we. we Let's don't do go that. unionize. Jesus take down the rat. Christ, y'all are gonna get me fired. Really? Take down, down the rat. Don't do that Real here. Take and down just the so, rat. just so we can finish this up, you have a problem, buddy. You watch these movies way too many times, and you've done this to yourself. I can tell you right now, like I can give two shits less about all the Marvel movies to rewatch them. The only one that is truly rewatchable is probably going to be Endgame because of all the shit it finally culminates to. Everything else, I'm like, eh, I wouldn't put it back on my choice. You go to these movies multiple times in a short period of hours. You're like, you burn yourself out, bud. The fact that you said, I don't think I want to watch this movie again. Good. Give somebody else a chance to go watch this movie. You're in there all the damn time. And these movies aren't great. They're just good entertainment. Okay. I'm still on. Anyway. Um, so I got seven new movies that I watched this year. Um, just cover them real quick. Sick, which is written in written by Kevin Williamson, who's known for writing the Scream franchise. Uh, it's a slasher slash home invasion survival horror film written by the guy who wrote the Scream films, like I said. Uh, set during the early, the very, very early days, like the movie starts with them saying, hey, the world's closing down, pandemic days. And so then two college girls go off to a lake house, I guess is what it is, and someone is invades it, the is house. Is it COVID pandemic or just a, just a pandemic? COVID, COVID pandemic, okay. 100% COVID pandemic. <laughs> and then someone goes, someone breaks into their lake house. And so it turns into a home invasion film. And then... um you know, the movie was good. The writing was okay. It was decent for what it was, which is a straight uh, straight to streaming slasher film. I think where it loses it, all its steam that it has for the movie is the motivation for the killers because you find out that it's uh, like multiple people um, invading the house and all that. And so where I think I lose, I, where I think it loses its steam is their motivation for attacking specifically this girl that they're attacking is contact tracing. They were at a party before the pandemic, like officially kicked off kind of deal. The kid, the son that she was making this this boy that she was making out with ended up getting COVID and dying from it. And so it's her parents or his parents and his brother attacking her because they contract contact traced it back to her and she's asymptomatic so she gave him covid and he ended up dying because of it so now they're going to kill her so they're killing her because she's patient zero yes so like <laughs> that's not i kind of like i i thought it was a little cheesy i thought it, it was a, a little lame. cheesy yeah it kind of took sound- the steam out for me especially after because it's a good a good chunk of this movie is very home invasion-y mm-hmm. and i like that a lot it was really in its classic Kevin Williamson writing. 
if you I know you might like it Joe um I know Cole will like it for sure because like I said it's the guy who writes Scream and if you like the way he writes those movies it's a lot of that but without like the self-referential humor or anything like that that kind of <clears> reminds <throat> me of um Contagion you've seen Contagion before right with Jude Law and all that I've never Jude seen Law. it yeah yeah um where um I forget the woman's name uh anyway she contracts some sort of virus and she becomes uh like they think like they can't figure out where it's exactly where she came from they and they basically like trace it back to her being at a casino or something like that and that's where the virus kicked in and basically caused a whole global pandemic but i i will give kevin williamson his props he writes female leads amazingly well this girl's a college girl she seems like a stereotypical college girl but she put up a fight and i loved it um next we got the hatchet wielding hitchhiker it's a documentary based off of a meme that went viral and it turns out like the dude ended up like killing someone and there's a little discussion on whether it was self-defense or whether he was just a crazy dude I gave that oh uh, for sick I gave it three and a half stars for this hatchet wielding hitchhiker documentary I gave it two because the entirety of the documentary is hey look how bad this guy was exploited but it was told from the perspective of everybody that exploited him yeah I, I so, caught a little bit of that because Marty was watching it <laughs> And I wasn't digging it. What's so that basically, it's Netflix. Um, okay. You'll watch it and you'll be like, so they're exploiting him even more by talking about how much they exploited him. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so I gave that two stars. Another one I gave it to two stars too. Uh, Brendan, is it Brendan or Brandon? Brandon Cronenberg's um, newest movie, Infinity Pool. It was an atrocious piece of shit. I'm sorry. I it forgot was. you saw that movie. The cinematography was great. Mia Goth was great. The body horror was great. And that's all I got for you. Everything Are else was sure bullshit. Are we sure this isn't another um, crimes of the no, future it, scenario where, you, where you're It's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> I like body horror. And I will give it... The body horror in this movie was so good that two people walked out mid-movie and never returned. Hell yeah. I still want to watch but it. But it's, it's a bullshit movie. Also, I will admit, maybe maybe a little bit of my like hatred towards this movie has to deal with the, the the stupid people I have to deal with in the movie theaters like as soon this, this these two people walked in was this the ones that during, were like talking next to you during the, the last time? during the last preview and that's fine I don't care then as soon as the movie starts this lady picks up her phone and starts talking on the phone and I as loudly as I could said, are you serious right now? And like, she gave me this look of what, what are they doing? You know what you're doing. I'm sorry, but do not answer your phone. Like if you want to answer your phone during the last preview, sure. It's going to annoy me, but I won't say anything. But you waited until the movie started. When yeah. Mia Goth is, is uh, monologuing, which seems important to the movie and I have to hear you. Yeah, what's up? I'm in a movie right now. No, you're not in a movie right now. Get out. I, I It was the one time I actually got out of the movie theater, walked up to management, and went, I'm not dealing with this tonight. I'm just not. 
And I wish this place was more. I wish more places was like your guys's place, the craft house were where they would just kick people out for doing stuff like that. But no, like props to the manager for coming in to try to do something. But he literally like sat down like he was a kindergarten teacher goes, okay, let's not get our phone now. Like, no, bro. They just answered their phone. I paid X amount of dollars to watch this movie. Kick them out. I'm not going to deal with this. And then, and then the two people that walked out, I was kind of glad they ended up walking out because lady over there was on her phone the entire time. Like, and look, I get, your intention span is less than a squirrel and you can't focus on something for more than like two seconds. And I, 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 I'm gotten to the point where I don't care if you're on the phone anymore, if you're texting or whatever, turn down the brightness. That's all I ask. I don't want to see like big bright lights on your face. I want to see the movie, not some like freaking flashlight on your face over here to my left or right. That's all I ask. Turn down your brightness. But you yeah. walked out of the movie because you couldn't handle the body horror, and it is what it is. Anyway, moving on. I gave that two and a half stars. Like I said, Mia Goth, good. Cinematography, good. Body horror, good. Everything else sucks. Um, the one movie I've seen this year, brand new, that I've given a five-star review to, and that's Pamela Anderson's documentary on Netflix. Um, I forgot you watched that too. Crying because of a documentary about Pamela Anderson wasn't something on my 2023 bingo card yet. Here I am. I really hope it gives her boot. I really hope it gives her career a boost because when she's able to talk about her life and not have to be typical Pamela Anderson, she's a very genuine person and comes across as a mother just simply trying to do best for her two sons. There's, and also I'll say you can tell throughout that movie, she's still madly in love with Tommy Lee, like a hundred percent. And the funniest part to me was when it, they were going through some home movies and they got to the like a video where they were in Detroit and she's like, Oh, this was when we lived with Bob and her sons both go. And then the, the director or producer of the movie goes, who's Bob? And they go, Kid Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Oh my God. Uh, So yeah, number whatever this is uh another two-star review your place or mine the newest rom-com from netflix starring ashton kutcher and reese witherspoon now usually i'm a rom-com fan but the split screen structure of the and the fact that the two leads shared a total of five minutes physically together in this movie um really took me out of it literally most of the movies through facetime or phone calls and they just split screened it the Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon were only in it for a total of five minutes at the very beginning of the movie and at the very end of the movie. You know, there's a few horror movies that are like that right now. If they've come on the past, or like where it's mostly like a Zoom call or stuff like that. And that just yeah, kills me. Like, like, where is the interaction? For a rom-com, it completely takes out the rom of the com. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, because of why yeah. how build, am I supposed to believe this emotion. chemistry between these two people that are supposed to fall madly in love with each other by the end of this movie? Exactly. <laughs> um, Next, I have You People. I gave that one two stars. Uh, I'm going to tread lightly here. Um, yeah, because what do you mean, You People? Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, it's... The Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy led rom com. Oh yeah, where where again? Netflix should just, should just stop trying to make rom coms. Um, there was a couple times that I laughed, but other than that, the jokes were not very funny. Um, 
Eddie Murphy seemed like he didn't want to be in this movie at all. Like he seemed bored out of his mind. They had David Duchovny in it, and he had one joke the entire movie, and that's the entirety of his character. The entire movie is. Let me talk about. Um, I forget who it is right now, but a, a famous rapper. Let me talk about him. The whole movie. That's all I'm going to talk about. Like, even when they get to, like, the part where they're at their wedding, he's giving a speech about this rapper. It has nothing to do with the fact that his son and his future daughter-in-law are getting married. It's a speech about Exhibit. That's who he's giving a speech about. Yeah. Of all the people. <laughs> yeah. Who? Exhibit. He's a... Exhibit. Pit my right. Pit my right. You might guy. know him from Pit my right. Oh, Ryan. okay. Yo, dog, we did this. So we put a fucking bomb in your trunk. Well, Good luck. That's all you had to say. <laughs> um, and the next thing I gave three and a half stars to, um, it was called Shotgun Wedding. It stars Josh Damal and Jennifer Lopez. You watched uh, that? Yeah. Again, I'm Jeez. a rom-com fan. I'm a rom-com fan. It's very much like that movie that came out last year called Lost City or something like that with Daniel Radcliffe and Channing Tatum and and uh, Sandra Bullock, but it's an action comedy rom-com where their wedding gets invaded by Lenny Kravitz of all people, um, and Josh Damal and Jennifer Lopez are like fucking Rambo and GI Joe over here killing everybody. Like it, it's it, it's a good movie. It, I had fun with it. What, um, what's it, it called again? It's, it's called Shotgun Wedding. It's on Amazon Prime. Did you watch? Amazing. Did you watch her other one that she did with Owen Wilson about like Mary Me? No, I didn't watch that. You didn't watch that one? Oh, that no. looked fun. I wanted to see no, that. No, that looked dumb as hell. Yeah. It, looked dumb as it was so dumb that it was like in theaters for like a day and then they were like, fuck it, let's just throw it on Peacock. Yeah, I saw the trailer and never heard about it actually coming to theaters. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but I will say this Shotgun Wedding was better than your place or mine and you people combined. Um, so again, Netflix should just stop making rom-coms and then real quick, I'm not going to review these. I'm just going to, I've also been going back and watching, um, movies that I haven't seen before to just older movies that I've been wanting to check out. So the first one I saw was 13, which came out in 2003. Absolutely loved it. It was such a great movie. Um, but it also like is very to the extreme of what a teenager would be like. I saw Slacker, which is Richard Linklater's first film, and it was the film that inspired Kevin Smith to make Clerks. After hearing about Kevin Smith talk about it for years and years and years, I finally watched it, um, and it was like watching paint dry. It was the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, there's no structure to it, which is okay, but it, the the annoying part of it is, let's say I'm talking right now, and the camera is following me as I'm talking and then I walk past to Joe, the camera will just start following Joe and going and you follow his conversation until he passes on to someone else. That's literally the structure of this movie. There's no plot to it or anything like that. It's just Richard Linklater with a camera going around the city of Austin recording people, essentially. Uh, I saw Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, I gave that one five stars. Uh, I will read the review for this one because I actually, well, I didn't, did I write anything? Okay. I will re read the review because it's short and sweet and funny. 
uh, over the top, but fun nonetheless. Great cinematography and pops color throughout. Also, the acting and soundtrack were amazing as well, especially the acting. I can't imagine it being easy to learn dialogue some old dead white guy wrote in 1597, where the basic idea of a conversation mostly sounds like some weird mix of Yoda speak and gibberish. Like, it was good. I put that movie off for so long. I actually ended up liking it more than I thought I would. A uh, movie I gave four and a half stars to and a movie that made me cry, Sound of Metal. I finally sat down and I finally watched it after oh. starting it so many times and just never one. getting past like the first five minutes or so. Um, the movie was beautiful, heartbreaking, and that's really the only way I can describe it. It It's amazing. I know I'm not a musician personally, but I can't imagine like just going to concerts and all of a sudden like losing my hearing while taking photos. Like that's crazy to me. So like that kind of hit me hard in that sense. Um, Tyler, and did you ever watch that one, Tyler? No, that's one I need to see. Oh, so Amazon good. Prime for free. Yeah, I, so I, I keep seeing it pop up. I just need to actually sit down and watch it. Also, I really, spoiler real quick, Tyler, sorry. I also really love the ending of this movie where he just takes out his implants and you just, it's just silent. He's finally accepting that he's this is his life now. I think that's awesome. Um, and then I saw She Said, which is the movie about the two people, the two journalists that broke the Harvey Weinstein story. Oh, yeah. Um, it very much was trying to be all the president's men and spotlight put together. And it, it could have been better. It could have been better. It it's again, but it's not bad because it, it makes sense for the movie. But it's, again, mostly conversations through phone calls. Um, Ashley Judd plays herself and got to tell her part of her story, which I thought was cool. Um, but there was a couple other parts where, like, it seemed a bit weird to me. Like, they had a character play, or they had someone doing the voice of Rose McGowan. And it just seemed like they couldn't, like, decide if they wanted to take her story seriously or not throughout the whole movie. It was weird. Like I said, it wants to be two movies put together. It kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. And then I saw Swiss Army Man. Um, I liked that movie a lot. I didn't think I, but I also liked Everything Everywhere All at Once. This was the Daniels' first movie for A24. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the movie was the ending. Uh, the way it ends is kind of, in my opinion, I think it should have ended in a more rom-com sense of like Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Daniels' characters float off into the ocean together forever but it was more like paul daniel told him he could go and daniel radcliffe farts off into the ocean and that's how the movie ends <laughs> i still need to watch that one yeah Same. i need to watch that and that is all my rapid fire movie reviews cool uh controversial statement time ready three two one tron legacy is the best sequel or um what do they call them now legacy sequels ever made it's better than any of the star wars movies it's better than top gun i am so fucking proud of you but here's why i say that because it it doesn't i've always loved that movie but it doesn't rely on needing to retell old stories or needing old characters for this movie to make sense like sure jeff bridges isn't in it but he's not in it until like the very end of the movie like, he's not a key plot point like Han Solo was or like Carrie Fisher's character is in all the Star Wars movies. 
It doesn't rely heavily on those on Jeff Bridges. It 100% is its own story until it needs Jeff Bridges. But it makes sense to have Jeff Bridges in it because he's the creator of Tron and the whole and the world. Grid. The grid. And the grid. But you don't, you could tell The Force Awakens without Han Solo. Why does Han Solo have to be there? Because they needed to put butts in seats. They were going to put butts in seats no matter what. I mean, yeah, he's right. But my point is, did you really need Han Solo in that movie? No, no but they re- it was a recycle of the new they made They were able to make three movies, three three earlier, the prequel trilogy, without relying on older characters. Now, I get that they're prequels, but they look how... Look how they did, and I love Rogue One, but look what they did with like Rogue One where they had the two characters that Luke meets in the bar and ends up Uh-oh. cutting one's arm off. Uh, Pond- Pondo random- Baba and Dr. Evasion. Just randomly walking around mm-hmm. before the planet blows up. We didn't need those characters in that movie, but they put them there for R2-D2 and C-3PO are there too for no fucking reason. But my point is, is like, yeah, Tron Legacy is probably the best Legacy sequel out there. Hmm. I can't wait to see Jared Leto fuck it up. Hmm. I'll allow it. Because Tron Legacy is a good movie. I've never been prouder of you. That's all I got. I'll allow it. All right. Yep. Let's do this. Let's move on. We got anything else before we move on? Nope. So again, we are going to talk about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in collaboration, partnership. I don't know how what the hell to call it with Diagnosing a Killer podcast. Again, you can find them on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you listen to podcasts, they're there. Um, And the reason we picked Texas Chainsaw again is because they're covering Ed Gein and mostly for the most part. Leatherface is based on Ed Gein. A lot of what he does in the movie is based on it's very like Ed Gein um inspired at least. Yeah. I know a lot of people could argue that Buffalo Bill is and even um Norman Bates is, but I feel like when you think of Ed Gein, the first person, at least for me, I think of is Leatherface. And if you don't know who Ed Gein is, he's known as the the butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul. So that's a little information about Ed Gein. We'll get into more as we talk about this movie. Yeah, so background on Texas Chainsaw. Uh, came out in 1974. Was directed by, what did we decide on it, Joe? Toby Hooper? Hopper? Uh, Toby Hooper, I believe, is the correct uh, pronunciation. It stars Gunnar Henson. It stars Marilyn Burns, who know both of them no longer... Well, Gunnar Henson's still alive, but Marilyn Burns is no longer alive. Toby Hopper, Hooper, sorry, is uh, never, isn't alive anymore. It takes place in Texas, obviously, uh, on a farmhouse, a almost deserted looking farmhouse. And where do you think they are in Texas, really? Like, well, the, the gas two? station is over in Plainfield, in- Wisconsin. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, the gas station that they stop at is, uh, is in Bastrop, which is outside of uh, outside of Austin. Because it's a barbecue place now. 
Yes, it is a barbecue place. Actually, our our basis has been there a couple. Wait, of no, times. not the, not the gas station, but the house is a barbecue place. One of no, the is. gas station's a barbecue place. I thought it was the house. No, because our our basis has gone to the gas station that they serve food there and stuff like that, and um, they book like events there too, like shows. And he's been trying to get us to go play out there. Nice. So, yeah, we just haven't really talked about it because he mentions it but he doesn't give us any more details yeah <laughs> hey let's play a show here okay okay Ooh. yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's where it's it's technically it, it's outside of bastrop or it's in bastrop outside of austin so for starters i would say uh for 1974 this movie looks amazing yeah <laughs> yeah like I don't. I know I have it on a Blu-ray and all that. Um, I know you guys watched it on Peacock, but that movie has never looked grainy to me ever. No, looks good. And like, it's just it's crazy to me because, again, we're talking 1974, and arguably, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the first big popular horror slasher franchise um meaning before before michael myers before freddy krueger you have leatherface now it does fall under the uh same kind of like idea as the halloween franchise does which is they made it in 1974 and halloween made their movie in 1978 but it wasn't until 1980 something where they made the second one because that's when uh, Friday the 13th was like, oh, okay, we made Friday the 13th in like 1980. Boom, Friday the 13th part two is 1981. And all of a sudden everyone was like, well, let's make our own sequels now for all these movies. The second Justice Chainsaw Massacre came out in 86. See? So a whole 12, 12, years. 12 years later? 12 years later. Yeah. And then it kind of they just pumped out movies from then, um, and then reboots, and then remakes, and then whatever oh, the that movie. was last year. Last yeah. year we got the uh, it's technically supposedly the only direct sequel to the actual first movie, even though Texas Chainsaw 3D was supposed to be the only direct sequel to the original movie. Um, it's it's a classic horror franchise, though. It's all over the place. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> and the first movie is always a classic. Uh, so, Joe, I'm sorry, Cole and Tyler have never seen this before. Joe has seen it, but he forgot about it and was kind of remembering stuff as he was watching it. I've seen it maybe three, four times. It's not... Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw haven't been like my favorite um, character to watch because as much as the movie looks good and all that, it's a bit boring. For me, yeah. it's it's pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, it's it was kind of a drag. For me, it's always been my favorite of like the old school killers because it's he's he's the most human i guess you can say of all like of like the your of your classic horror movie guys i mean michael myers is 
who knows what the fuck he is you know he's, he's not he's the personification of evil that's what he's always yeah. been but he doesn't like he doesn't come off as human because he doesn't die you look at freddy krueger he's he's a dream but you again at, that's because evil never dies evil is all, all around yeah but like there's there's that you know but it has that it has a little bit of cheesiness to it with with leatherface and i think it's just because you know it feels like that that can really happen yeah yeah and i think that's what's always been my favorite and even though yes they have rebooted the movies quite uh a couple they they, they have different renditions of them i i've always liked the 2003 uh reboot of it because i thought that was really really good um produced by michael bay yeah and you know, they're still your your typical 2000s kind of, you know, cheesy horror movie, but I still think they did it justice pretty well. But yeah, I think that's because he actually feels like real because we've heard of these type of people actually, you know, these type of things actually happening to people. I mean, like we said for the start, he's based off of a real Yeah, person. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I get, I get both sides of your argument, really, but I'm also going to defend my boy, Michael, and tell yeah, you why but... his whole like thing doesn't make <laughs> sense like for you it doesn't make sense but i do get the realness that you get from leatherface being the fact that he is based off ed gein but i don't know why it's just like i've seen parts of the second one i know i've seen it all at one point but like there i don't know for whatever reason the first movie's really good it's it's boring but it's good but it's a little bit more memorable than any of the other movies that the franchise has produced now I will say that uh, the Texas Chainsaw—I I agree with you—the 2003 remake is amazing, but it was also in a very rare time period that, like, I don't think we can ever capture anymore, which is the gray, bleak post 9/11 horror world that there was. I mean, if you look up, and that's kind of why I like watching the original and then that one um because look at the original it's super colorful for a horror movie at least it's it's very bright yeah very vivid yeah you you really yeah. want to go to texas watching this movie like sure you're gonna get hacked up by leatherface but you're like i kind of want to go to that farmhouse you know but then you get post 9 11 2003 remake and it's gray and washed out but you know that's what thing i like you look at the 74 and it looks like Texas and you look at the 2003 one and it's like, yeah, that also looks like Texas, like the griminess of it and the gray, the bleak, because, you know, as, as like if, if you're going off a year's comparison, yeah, like 74, that fits just perfectly. You know, it's, you know, we were more civil, well, not civil mind, but we were, you know, things weren't as bad as they are now. As compared, you look at to, to the 2003 one, it's like, yeah, that's what Texas looks like. There are parts of Texas that are very grimy and, just, and ugly. And and I think this and this goes back to why I, I like them the most, because like I said, it feels real because there is shit like this that goes on. And I would think we're the perfect state to get this done in because we're so vast. You have people who own property that things can just disappear on and no one will go looking for it there there's a whole lot of nothingness in this yeah state. there's a whole lot of fucking nothing <laughs> around here sometimes man so, so like, for uh 
for let's start with Tyler. What did what was your thoughts on like all the the cinematography? Let's start with cinematography. What was your thoughts on it? Like, because yeah, just what were your thoughts? Uh, I I think like you said, like it it still looks beautiful for a movie from early mid seventies, whatever it is, seventy four. Uh, yeah, it it's definitely a lot brighter than most of the horror movies I've seen. Like I could actually see what was going on for pretty much the whole movie, except for, I think it was whenever uh, the guy in the wheelchair and Franklin who survives. Yeah. yeah I, I couldn't pick up on names for some reason, but uh, yeah, whenever they were like going through the forest, I think that was really the only time that I couldn't really. But it still had like that blue kind of light dark. in it. Yeah. It, it still looked good, but yeah, it's, it was a beautiful movie, man. What about you, Cole? What do you think as far as like see you haven't have you seen the original Halloween? I have seen the original Halloween. Okay, so let's compare those. That's a good way to do it. Let's compare those two. Halloween is very dark. It's very dark. It's also got that film grain on it, which I didn't really notice. Like you mentioned earlier, I didn't really notice any film grain at all watching this. There might have been a little, but it wasn't very in your face like most movies from this era are. And, you know, this was very bright and colorful. It, it was nice to look at. It was very nice to look at. Meanwhile, meanwhile the original Halloween, can't, can't tell what's happening half the time. You can, I, but it's just very dark. And I kind of get why a little bit, because, like I said, Michael Myers is supposed to be the personification of evil. So, therefore, evil would be lurking in the shadows. And one scene, one scene in specific that plays that entire idea perfectly is towards the end of the Halloween, the first Halloween, where Lori is sitting or standing by the door, and all of a sudden you see like half a blue, like light shining yeah. on Michael's face, and like he stabs her shoulder. So it plays that scene well. But I think here's a fun fact: this movie was Toby Hopper was trying to make this movie PG. Because first of all, there was no, there was only was two, not. there was only two ratings at the time, PG yeah. and R. Yeah. Uh, yeah, PG thirteen yeah, right. hadn't wasn't even around at the time. G what G wouldn't exist for a while. Oh my god, it didn't exist until Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Yeah, I think that's wow. Really true. Later, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first movie to get a PG thirteen rating. It was the first time they had to come up with an in between rating. Huh. Um, but. Yeah, Toby Hopper wanted this movie to be PG, so that's why, if you watch it, and this is not for the 70s, but when you think of slasher movies, really, this is rare. There's hardly any blood in it. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. There's a bit, but like it's not it's not very in-your-face. It's very it's subtle when it does He happen. said he maybe used two ounces of fake blood the entire shot. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, because some of the scenes, I mean, there's blood, but it's not like Oh my god! Like, but it's like blood it, it was been there before, like dry blood, because they are butchers too. Yeah. So, I feel like that maybe helped it age as well as it does. Is like you can't see how cheesy the kill is because it's just kind of like from behind or something like that, or yeah, slightly or off screen. Like, like at the end when Sally's in the truck, she's covered with blood. It looks yeah. real. It looks good. Yeah. Um. So, fun fact about like the house itself, and this also relates to Ed Gein. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the furniture was built out of like old bones and shit like that. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what Ed Gein would do. With, that's He built furniture out of bones and skin. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's another on-the-nose thing about, hey, this is where our inspiration comes from. And also, like, I still all think... The, uh... All the, like the poses of like the people in the graveyard and stuff like that. That I think he did stuff like that too. Just like created art pieces, so to speak, with people. <laughs> he. That's where you get like the the psycho inspiration from him as well, because he preserved his like mother. I'm pretty sure. Uh, is what I've read a few times. I, I'm sure there's debates on it. There's. I think it was like the last the kill that actually got him like uh in trouble yeah captured <laughs> um can i, I just say not the kill that he that he 100 percent admitted to and no one fucking believed him i mean it may have been that one i don't i don't know i don't know <laughs> but, if it is that one but there is a, there was this time where ed was ed old ed you know our buddy ed here he uh <laughs> he was actually very well liked within his little town of Plainfield that he was like the Mr. Fix-It for everybody. He did those odd jobs that no one else would want to do. And one day he was doing, I don't think it was an odd job necessarily. Like he was just able to pick up some like construction work or something like that to help some people out. And so they're sitting there eating lunch on the back of someone's truck. Um, And my source for this is a documentary that I saw a long time ago, but uh and this was all firsthand accounts in this documentary from people that were still alive that lived in the town at the time and all that. Um, but they're sitting there, they're eating lunch and they're talking and they go, Oh, I wonder whatever happened to so-and-so they name one of the murder victims. And this dude straight up goes, Oh, I killed her. Her head's in my freezer and her body's in my basement. But because he was so well liked in the community, and this is crazy to me, he, they they laughed it off they thought he was joking which like yeah dark humor is a thing but that's a little little too dark to joke about (laughs) yeah a little too specific because it was specifically about this one person that they name dropped and everyone laughed it off and said oh ed you're just joking around because they because he was a funny dude apparently and then when he got arrested they discovered the head in the freezer and all that and the people that he told that to were like oh he wasn't joking (laughs) (laughs) you talk about preservation can i just say because i don't know if we'll cover it the grandpa in the movie he looked like he looked like he was covered in butter and then frozen (laughs) he's actually a real his act the the guy who played him is actually covered in plaster okay because that's what it looks like i was like it looks like either plaster or like if they put butter on him and then they put him in the freezer and he came out, and he was like, I'm done. <laughs> Cause he just, <laughs> he yeah, looked like that, a fucking mummy, man. That was one thing yeah. I didn't get. Like, is he supposed to be dead or just, well, he like, was moving. Like he was alive and moving. Yeah. Like, but he didn't really move until like they cut open her finger and like, he like had Sucked some, some blood. blood and was and like, Oh like yeah. So I was like, is he dead? And like, this just brings him back like a little bit at a time yeah i have no clue man that's like my one thing i wasn't too sure about yeah um i think it was just for effect really i don't think there was anything other than they're crazy that's fair gotcha oh yeah and the thing i was trying to look up was uh the the lady who or the victim who uh 
got him arrested was a Bernice Warden in 1957. And he had her decapitated body. Uh, yeah, decapitated body in a shed, uh, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists. And the torso was dressed out like a deer. So very much uh, something Leatherface would do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want, people I could just... read all the stuff that they found made out of people in his apartment. That's okay. I know. I know for sure one was like a table. I think a couch, a lamp. Yeah, lamp. The lamp's famous. Yeah. Um. Nah, dude. It's people call it a pro vegan or a pro vegetarian movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. insane to me, but okay. <laughs> That's the other thing, too, with this movie that I don't really pick up on in the sequels, at least. It was They're very much trying to make them cannibals in this movie. But you don't really get that in the sequels. You kind of just get a crazy family that kills people. You get that in the... In... The 2003 one and and then the beginning sequel, which is comes out after that one, um, because that's the only way like they can get food. Like the slaughterhouse is no longer uh, operable, um, and they kill these people, and this is how they survive because there's they don't really live in a town. It's just you know they live off the highway basically, and uh, they kill people who come by and happen to get you know caught up in their business. Um, and because like uh, I feel like in the in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, where Arlie Emery kills uh, kills the sheriff, becomes a sheriff, they take the body back to the house and like this is what we're gonna eat, and they're like, what the fuck you mean this is what we're gonna eat? They're like, this is it, this is all we can get. So like I, yeah, and this one like they they make them cannibals but i feel like it's not by because they love the idea of having you know oh even even the human it's just this is by because this is all we have and they've accepted that already Makes you think sense. ed gein watched this movie and was like <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> relatable he, he died die? in 1984. Okay, so yeah, he could have seen it. He could have seen it. <laughs> like, do they show this movie in prison? Like, <laughs> just happened to be on. <laughs> that, that's like the uh, pri- that's like the prison showing the South Park movie to Saddam Hussein to torture him, <laughs> which was a legit thing that happened. All right. <laughs> what i can't spit out a fact fuck y'all no, no, that, was, that was a good one totally random out of left field but okay okay i didn't know that <laughs> um yeah so because ed gein inspired texas chainsaw he ended up inspiring characters for rob zombie's house on a thousand corpses as well because if you watch House of a Thousand Corpses, it's 100% a Texas Chainsaw Massacre semi-ripoff of a movie. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can see that. <laughs> but uh, what else? 
I want to talk about like the why do you, why why would you consider this uh, very because it's considered one of the best slasher films of all time. Um, debatable, I would say, but that's just my opinion. But for you guys that have just seen it, what how where would you rank it in terms of like? And you don't have to see all the movies to know or anything like that. But where would you rank this movie in terms of like earlier slasher films? For me personally, I would I would put this pretty high up there because, like y'all said, it was it starts off slow, doesn't really have a storyline, um, and I feel they rely they rely heavily on the cinematography and the shots to make you feel uncomfortable because you know you, in the opening we have the uh, the narrator talking about, um, the incidents that happened and you know how these. You know how it was a weekend. These teenagers got murdered and everything. Um, I've always liked that narration opening sequence like that. But then we get you know the shots of of like the body parts, um, the bones and everything. When we get uh, to uh, Sally being inside the uh, oh I don't think it was Sally. It might have been the other girl first. Yeah, it was the other girl first. Um, when she falls in the living room and she like falls into a pile of feathers and there's there's bones there's you know you see leg bones skulls and you 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 get to look at the furniture and you see that it's body parts um that are put together to make the furniture i think they're they go really heavy for the shock value but not having to rely on blood and guts it's a different aspect of it um and just the color the color palettes and everything are, I think, pop off really well because, like y'all said, usually with an older horror movie, I feel like you have a hard time seeing things because, well, back then it was hard to get proper lighting. So if it's a dark scene, it's a dark scene. That's it. But um, a good chunk of the kills in this movie take place during the day, which I think for back then was, well, I mean, it's, it's still not as common, but that's uncommon because everything usually happens at night when people get scared because it's nighttime. Yeah. Um, but I think just, you know, just, just the, the shots of it are really good. Like when, when the first girl runs out of the house and Leatherface storms to the door and like grabs her by the, by the waist and pulls her back in. That's an iconic scene. You know, when, when you think of this movie and you think of horror movies, that's always one of the ones that pop up is that scene of him you know, grabbing her from the from the waist and pulling her back into the house, like you know, to kill her. Um, the end when when Sally's in the back of the of the truck, covered in blood, and like it's you know it's sunrise, so like you have that real nice golden color, and she's hysterically laughing, covered in blood, but then you also have Leatherface, you know, you know, just acting maniacally in the middle of the highway, I you love know, that. flinging his flinging his chainsaw around doing still some doing with the with the sunlight like it's i'm like why do i think these shots are beautiful this is a this is a man who just killed people <laughs> freaking out with a chainsaw and this is a woman covered in blood but i'm like man that these are pretty shots that scene and you you could take that scene of like leatherface dancing with his chainsaw and loop it for as ever long as you need to and then take the scene from uh the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix, where he's dancing in the bathroom. Yes, use that music on that. <laughs> God, 
God, it'd be so beautiful. That scene also was so dumb. It makes me laugh at the same time. Because, like, the semi-truck stops. Yeah. He gets out, which is okay. You, you and t- that to truck help would Sally not get in. that fast. That truck no. would not have stopped yeah. that fast. But, here, but here's where it gets dumb. He gets out because he, he, he wanted to help Sally get in. Okay, great. He closes the door. Okay, great. Why did he drive? Why did they both get out on the other end? Yeah, also, here's where it gets sense. dumber. Here's where it gets dumber. The the other truck pulls up and Tokyo drifts around real quick. So, and then Sally just jumps in the back. Homeboy driving the semi still running the other way. Yeah, that man just like, uh-uh. You can keep the truck. <laughs> but yeah, that, then, like, that, the... that part made no sense to me like why he did that. Oh, and I guess, you know, if you want to chalk it up to, you know, panicking in the moment and so you don't know what the fuck to do. And to be fair, like I said, one, that truck wouldn't have stopped so fast because it's a fucking 18-wheeler. Um, two, it would have taken him a good couple of seconds to really take off. Leatherface would have killed him. So I think going just through the he cab would have got been that your... chainsaw through that door. Yeah, the chainsaw wasn't going through, though. Uh, he could have climbed up and, you know, gone through the window, whatever. Okay, so... so... So Cole, why? Because you're not, and this would be interesting to hear because you're not a huge horror fan. I know you like you like Scream, and I know you haven't, and I'm not going to follow you for it, but I know you haven't seen the original Friday the Thirteenth or the I have original. seen the original. Oh, I'm Friday. sorry, I meant Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I saw um, the remake. I didn't see the original. Fuck that remake! Don't get me started on that remake. Anyway, so you as a non, like a not a huge horror fan. Why would you, do, would you consider this, first of all, would you consider it one of the best early horror films or a super influential one in your mind? I don't know if I, well, I haven't seen a ton of the earlier stuff, but like, you know, comparing this to how to the original Halloween, the original Friday the 13th, you know, I didn't like the original Friday the 13th, but I felt like there was still something that here, I don't, I was... I was just kind of bored a lot of the time. There, there was definitely stuff here, but a lot of time I was just kind of bored waiting for something to happen. Like, yeah, I, w- I will give you that. The A good chunk of this movie is spent inside a van. Yeah, it really wasn't until what I'm going to call the dinner scene that I th- thought things really started getting interesting. Yeah, like I... For me, it was like they... They knock out um, four, or they knock out three of the five characters really quickly during the day. And yeah, we spend a good time in the van. And like I said, there's no real storyline. Like, yes, they're they're going to go check out this house that one of their relatives who With passed away. Hmm? I think it was like Sally and Franklin's grandpa's house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but I think for me, what what kind of kills it too is is just the way they portrayed Franklin's character. It's kind of annoying, kind of, dude. Everyone behind the scenes hated that dude too. I I wouldn't blame him, like because he seems like a pain. hundred percent. He seemed like a douche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like honestly, like I like I don't I don't really care how they portray this character and like the scene where he like he gets into the house and he's like and then just like blowing raspberries. You know, I was like, okay, that's a little too much. Like, I get you're upset, you know, upset and some of that, but that's dumb. Like, I think if 
had they given uh, the story a little bit more structure um or but just you know more content to it it'd been it'd been a little bit better in that in that aspect but like i said when they when they show up to the house and all of a sudden they're they're killing them i'm like oh fuck okay like now we're getting somewhere but i'm like damn you already killed three of the five people and it isn't even sundown yet what the fuck are you gonna do because you have the final girl and the guy in the wheelchair so obviously this is gonna this is gonna go quick because the guy in the wheelchair is not gonna get far yeah so for for cole and tyler specifically and you guys can pick whoever answers this first um if if i made you choose between this one and the netflix one to rewatch, which one would you choose this one <laughs> easily yeah, this one <laughs> i'm also gonna say this one like you said the newest remake oh, right yeah the yeah the netflix one okay, yeah. well, to me <laughs> i can't say the new one was boring but it honestly but it's interesting that you do say that it's interesting that you do say you would rewatch this one over that one. And that shows you the influence that it has over slasher films. Here's my thing. Typically, at least to me, a boring movie is a lot better than a, than a bad movie. But I, if I ever have to watch that remake again, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, this one by default. Weirdly. Weirdly, I think. The reason why horror movie fans and even like maybe I don't know maybe I can't say for you guys but at least for me as a diehard horror movie fan the way I am I think the reason why we tend to gravitate towards these older horror movies a hundred percent has to do with the digital age and technology yeah um because th- think about the the, the scene that honestly made me want to watch the 2002 or the 2022 remake which is the the party bus scene where Leatherface gets on the party bus and homie's like Scrity Thede you're cancelled bro and everybody behind him has a camera on him like it's a funny scene but you don't get anything like that in this movie because like the idea of technology is a house phone and a color TV yeah yeah and a radio. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's why older horror movies tend to work better than newer ones. Um, and as much as like I thought it would as much as they try to recreate the ending of this one in that in that 2022 movie, which is Leatherface dancing with his chainsaw, it just doesn't work when the Tesla is driving itself at three miles an hour. Yeah. (laughs) After he's already like thrown it or whatever to decapitate someone already. Like, why couldn't Leatherface just catch up to that Tesla? It wasn't driving very fast compared to the way this dude was driving his truck. It it just, technology takes away from horror movies, I think. Definitely. I I feel like the older (laughs) ones, they actually had to try more to like get a good product whereas nowadays like you know cgi and some blood cgi like the killer doing some kind of weird shit but like you couldn't do that back with this so it was just whatever they could physically do for the most part maybe some things movie magic but 
Yeah, I just I feel like you actually had to try with those movies, and you can't. You, you, you want a disgusting fact about this movie? Sure, let's go. <laughs> uh, so our boy Toby here kind of took the whole Ed Gein inspiration a little too seriously. Um, and the farmhouse that they filmed in, like, because it's Texas and it's hot in Texas, as you both know. Mm-hmm. He threw in legit head cheese and some other shit like for a day to let that shit stink up that house. So like some of those bones on the ground are like real chicken bones that he just threw around for effect. <laughs> I like it. I'm gonna go with that. So he really did take the Ed Gein inspiration like a little too seriously. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, going back to y'all, how y'all say, you know, older movies, to, you know, the older horror I think for me, I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I don't really care. Yeah, well, you like old... hereditary. <laughs> but, I mean, that doesn't rely on a lot of technology. I still haven't seen I was just giving you shit. Okay, well, that one doesn't rely on a lot of technology to, you know, to to push the, the narrative forward in it. Uh, if anything, it's just, you know, a cell phone, you know, which, I mean, that's pretty much it. But. I think because when I when I think of older horror movies, I think of a lot of, you know, there's a killer, there's people, it's the typical tropes of, oh, you know, we're going to die because we're having sex, or, you know, we're doing stupid shit we shouldn't be doing, all of a sudden, oh, here's a killer, here's a killer, like, and that's it for me. I, I think that's why I've always kind of like, eh, but I also think it's the, it's the stigma like that people have like you know these horror movies like the old ones are these are the best ones they're never going to be anything better than these ones and it's just like well you overhype these movies and they're just you know they're there's too many sequels of them there's too many reboots of them and if you hold the narrative of like you know this is the standard there's no no that you know yes that was once the standard but you know you have to quit holding that let people progress you know, if you want this genre to continue, you need to be more accepting of different ideas. Don't just shell over because it's not, it's not your Michael Myers. It's not your Freddy Krueger, you know, be more open to the things. Makes it, I'm, I'm the weird, I feel like I'm the weird minority when it comes to horror movies. I, like I like different weird, like not your typical ones that you will like. I do like the more art house ones. Like, like Brady said, even has watched I love Hereditary loves midsommar uh the witch fucking love the witch that one fucking terrifies me or creeps me the out witch. really when i think about it um <laughs> those style horror movies you know are that's my fucking shit right there i mean I, I do like other ones but those type of like weird strange ones like those are are my jam so with with something like hereditary though like they they do still use like technology like i mean you had the lady like crawling up like the side of the ceiling and stuff like that so i mean it's definitely not as much as like how a lot of movies have been using it and stuff like that but it's it's still there i just meant like modern technology as far as like characters having cell phones oh no i'm I'm talking i'm talking about like to actually make the movie no i i I, I got where i'm I'm going where where brady's coming from like technology (laughs) within the film to to make it like I mean, but also, the, yeah, Tyler has a point there too of like yeah. modern technology to make a movie now. Like a perfect example for it is um, the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Have you ever seen that? Yes. 
that's all 100% practical filmmaking. None of that is CGI. Very, very, very little of it is CGI. He used uh, the dude who directed, um, well, I won't even mention the name of the movie because I don't want to see it. But that movie with the fast superhero coming out later this year. Um, The dude who directed that directed the, whatever. The dude who directed that directed the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. And at one point he said he used something like 2,000 gallons of fake blood. Didn't he also direct the It remakes? He did the It remakes and he also did that movie Mother. Ah. That same guy, yeah. Yep. Andy Alvarez. Muschietti. Oh no, 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 no! I was thinking someone else. Then, yeah, I was, I was like, wrong. He was Getty. No, P.D. Alvarez did. Uh, he did the Texas Chainsaw Netflix movie. Is what he did. Oh, actually. Um, would you like Cole? If I if I had you watch any more of these movies, would you be willing to watch a sequel? Or is like this? Are you just good with like this is Leatherface and that's all you really need? Is is the sequel? And same matter? goes, same goes to you, Tyler. Because like, uh, I'll be honest with you, the so you get this movie and then you don't get the second one until we said nineteen eighty six, and that one has uh, I don't know if you, I know Cole hasn't seen it, but House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil Rejects, it has Bill Mosley in it, the guy who plays Otis. And okay. he's some weird hippie Leatherface version. Like he's he's part of Leatherface's family, but he's a hippie. And there's some like weird disco shit going on in it. And then um, I can't even tell you what the third one's about or the fourth one. But I'm pretty sure the fifth one has Vigo Morrison in it. My king. And then he's part of the family in that movie. And then I'm pretty sure the sixth one, which came out in the 90s, has Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in it. So they just shit these out after they realize they can make money doing more. Matthew McConaughey, we're talking post Dazed and Confused Matthew McConaughey. It was literally like Dazed and Confused. I've seen pieces of that one. It's literally like Dazed and Confused and then this Texas Chainsaw movie. And I've seen one scene from it. And the only thing I ever saw from it is literally like five minutes of Matthew McConaughey in Renee Zellweger's face just screaming at her. So like a madman. There's Texas Chainsaw, the first one we just saw, two, three. Uh, <laughs> this one's funny. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. What the fuck is this, Star Trek? <laughs> uh, they have... All American Massacre, but uh, IMD or Collider is saying it was never released, but it deserves acknowledgement. And then we get into the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and then 06 is the beginning, which is the prequel sequel to the 2003 one. Uh, 2013, we get Texas Chainsaw, which is the the, the 3D one. I actually like that one. It actually has a pretty good story arc to that one. Um, Do your thing, cuz. Uh, and then there's the Leatherface, which is the overall prequel to everything, how he becomes Leatherface, and then the and one that one went straight to sci-fi. <clears throat> Leatherface, yeah. Like yeah. I remember seeing like posters and trailers for it, and then never heard of it again. And then we have the 2022 uh, Netflix Abomination. 
Yeah. I think Cole would I think Cole would like Texas Chainsaw 3D. I think he would too. It's fun. I, in I, a weird I, way. I might be down. The three the three D was what has me interested. I might be But here's the one. here's the thing. That's a child. They Shut could up. they <laughs> could cut out they could cut out maybe one sequence in that movie or just like reduce the amount of blood in it and it's a PG thirteen movie at that point. Okay. That movie's actually super tamed for a 2013 horror film. Yeah, it was. And I actually liked if... that. I was a bit shocked by it too. Yeah, me too. I I liked it more than I was than I thought I would. I think he did that on purpose to kind of evoke the original, which, and even the original Halloween, there's not a lot of blood in it. I found this list. It's going to get kind of gruesome here for a second, but this should be fun. So to kind of go off of like, you know, you're looking at Leatherface's house. I found a list of some of the shit they found inside Ed Gein's house. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> All right, they got whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, which is kind of like the idea of that little room that uh, I don't think it was Sally that fell into it, but whoever the other dumb bimbo was that fell into that room. But like the living um, room, like looking, yeah, with all the right chicken the feathers right and shit side? like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, skulls on his bedposts, bro was living in a dungeon. Female <laughs> skulls, some with tops sawn off, bowls made of human skulls. I mean, part of your balanced breakfast, really. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't hold liquid very well, kind of just kind of drips out the eyes. A course, that's where you're supposed to put your fingers so you can hold them. Oh, all. bro. Trigger. I'm gonna put a content warning on this one. A corset made from a female torso, skinned it mm-hmm. from shoulders to waist. That makes Jesus sense. Jesus Christ! Yeah. It's a corset, you, guys. Which, it makes sense. Come on. But you also kind of that that does bring me to a a good connection here. You kind of get that kind of vibe from Leatherface in the sense of look at Tyler's picture that he has up on his zoom little cell and look at mine that particular version of Leatherface is known as pretty face and it was supposed to be the more so why he has print... makeup yeah yeah you can see it in my like right here my yeah uh... it's more like so, a, okay like i'm at home we're having dinner it's, it's more of the friendlier like hey i'm your buddy kind of vibe that he goes yeah. for because he ends up wearing three different face masks throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie um, but this and one was very specifically nice generated. Well. Yeah, Ed Gein is known to have schizophrenia, and you can kind of get that vibe off of Leatherface based off like what mask he's wearing a little bit. Like his the schizophrenia. It's not necessarily like voices in your head as far as like he's wearing the voices in his head. If that makes sense, like. He's currently feeling pretty because he's at home and he has his family and he's with a friend or what he wants to be a friend. And so that's why he has the makeup mask on. But when he's in murder mode, it's a droopy skin, bloody mask, things like that. Yeah. Um, Leggings made from human leg skin. So dude was rocking some Lululemons, apparently. (laughs) Made from a woman named Lulu. (laughs) (laughs) Um, masks made from the skin of female heads. Boom. There you go. Face masks. 
uh, Mary Hodgson's face mask in a paper bag. Mary, or I'm sorry, Mary Hogan's. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's pot-bellied stove. Whatever the fuck that is. I'm you not reading hot now. Pot belly stove. Hot belly. Pot You're not belly reading stove. what? I'm not reading this next one. We're just gonna skip over that one. Put yeah. it in the I'll chat. Guys, oh, read it. No, I, I, I'll no. tell you. <laughs> put no. it in the chat, and I'll read it. Just put it in the chat. I'm not, no, I'm not reading those two either. Hold it's, on. It's on the Wikipedia page. Y'all can find it yourself. <laughs> A belt. I'll tell you guys off, Mike. A belt made from female human nipples. Okay. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and fingernails from female fingers. And also, you kind of get that. That brings up a good point and a good connection there is the fact that most of the body parts and things like that that were found in Ed Gein's house are female oriented. Um and look how much time he took to kill the two male characters, three male characters, and then how much he spent preparing and enjoying the kill of the female characters, yeah. especially like the the thrill, of the chase with like Sally and then bringing her home and giving her dinner and things like that. Um, yeah. The other girl's so, name like, is Pam, by the way. Sorry, I be fine. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you because he he kills her, but he preserves her in the in the freezer and he kills the other two guys and they're just like, okay, whatever, like fuck them. But the the female he was already preserving the save. And you you know, you named all that stuff right there. And like look at the image you have right now from the dinner scene where they're all sitting at the table, like look at the body parts all over the place, like the or like the, the living room with all the bones and shit yeah, yeah. making the you know making the couch and, and whatnot um i feel like they did you know making the core the connection between ed gein and the movie they did a good job of referring to all the stuff that he did i mean it's not i'm sure without if, outright saying hey this is ed yeah you know? because if we sat there and like thought of you know really looked at everything and said okay well this is probably similar to what Ed would have done in his house. And the fact that you have to sit there and think, okay, what would Ed do? And then you have to put that on paper and tell someone, Hey, I need you to make this. Can you source this locally, please? Yes. That's fucking <laughs> terrifying to think about, man. Yep. So but, uh, to answer what you were, you asked earlier, Brady, because we didn't really get to, <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I'd I'd probably sit down and watch at least some of the sequels. Like I I think I told y'all earlier, my plan was like on Monday I was gonna watch this and then I was gonna watch the 2003 one, but I unexpectedly worked overnight and then it just kind of ruined my week. But yeah, I'd I'd sit down and watch at least some of them until they start getting too crazy. I'd be down. I would highly suggest I mean, I'm not the 2003 you, one because that one's really. Yeah, I really I, suggest the 2003 one too. Yeah, that's what I really I've like heard. that one. I've heard it's good. So, and I really um, like the as I as I think about the 03 one, I like the nods that they did in that one to this one, the scene where he puts um uh, where he puts Pam up on the up on the hook, mm-hmm. 
uh, they do that in the 03 one to one of the characters, puts them up on the hook, and then he uh, leaves them there. I think that same character he chops off. No, that's one of the other characters. Never mind. I'm not someone's ball with that. But yeah, he puts them up on the hooks and like, this is okay. This is like your waiting spot. When I'm ready for you, I'll take you off these hooks and then I'll finish you up. So, so question was homegirl dead in the freezer that i wasn't too sure because she was in she was in pieces obviously or either her bones were broken but she did like sit up and like she popped up and yeah. went and yeah then, like laid down like she was dead and i'm like is that just like the was that like, like shock or like the shock of the, the body like... kind of just going through it or was she still alive that i wasn't too sure it was so quick of a scene i must say she was dead so would you say it was probably the shock, like just her body just still going through, you know, the shock that a, a, a body does when it dies and yeah, just kind of reacting? Because she was, there was knocking on the freezer as well. Yeah. She heard the knocking and then the... Uh, it was probably her trying to get, like, the knocking was probably her trying to get out and then it was like the initial shock. Of, like, yeah, and she probably sure. couldn't, like you said, her bones were probably broken, so yeah, she probably couldn't move. Yeah. So... Now that you've added this movie to your repertoire, I probably said that word word wrong. Of no, film, no, of yeah. film knowledge, are you are you glad you watched it? Definitely. I mean, it it is a super iconic movie. Like you said, it, it's it's inspired. It's the pulp hundreds. Horror, no, yeah, kidding. exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. But yeah, I'm I'm glad I finally actually sat down and watched it. Yeah, I'm also glad I watched it. That, at the beginning, I was kind of just sitting there like, why am I watching this? But as it got a little further on, I'm like, okay, well, I, I can get I get it now. <laughs> Who here has seen Stripes? Nope. I've been the, to Stripes. Is that the movie with Bill Murray? Yes, and Harold Ramis. Yeah, I've never seen it. No. None of you have seen Stripes? No. Uh-uh. Oh. It's a war movie, right? I don't do those. No, it's not a war movie at all. This whole time I thought it was a fucking war movie. I mean, they're in the army, but they're oh, it's, well. it's a comedy. It's a comedy, and they they only went into it to avoid like getting in trouble with the law or something like that. I forget the whole. Oh, that sounds fun. Basically, Bill Murray's. I don't know what else this dude would have been in that. You guys, oh, maybe for Joe Cole. It um, has Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and John Candy. Oh, that sounds I good. I yeah, I didn't know John Candy. Okay. Um. Joe, Star Trek Three. Have you ever seen it? One second, let me me pull up the list. That's the search. That's the search for. It's the search for Spock. Oh, then yes, I've seen it. Okay, so the guy. I get that one confused with Wrath of Khan. I can't remember. The guy who plays Maltz is the voice act. Is the voiceover for the beginning of this movie? Is he John Lacroix or Lacret? But he's also the one I would tell, know him is Stripes. He plays like their commander or something like that, and he's an asshole. But he also did the voice for the 2002 or why do I keep saying 2002? 2022 Netflix version. He did the voiceover in 1974. Sally Hardesty. Blah, 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 blah. That was him. But I thought that was. Do cool you know who fact, does the voiceover for for 03? Same guy. Okay, so I thought I was like, is he not the same guy? Because he sounds like he was paid. I'm pretty sure in 1974, though, he was paid with like a six pack and a bag of weed. 
Hell yeah. Because <laughs> he was like an he was like an up and coming actor at the time. He didn't want much to do it. He just wanted to be able to get somewhere at the door. Just get the film credit. Yeah. Oh, three comes around. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. At least two dollars. <laughs> at, at least throw a fiver this time so I can He's pay like, for my gas. I want a 20 spot. <laughs> and a dime bag, damn it. <laughs> this guy really likes his weed. <laughs> you want to rip this bong? 15 bucks, <laughs> little man. So do you do you two feel a fruit a foosh officially? Movie educated on this movie. Movicated, yes. Yeah. Movicated. <laughs> Some yes, word movie-cated. Joe made up. <laughs> would you would you rather be movie educated or go on movie vacation? <laughs> movie, movie I'll take the movie vacation. <laughs> to be fair, for the first like 15 episodes, I thought it was movie vacation. <laughs> Cause it was never fully explained. I think we talked about it once. It was explained. It was explained episode one, my guy. I told y'all. It wasn't explained very fucking well. <laughs> no, your dumbass doesn't pay attention. So, if you want better and obviously better than what we could pull off, but more in-depth knowledge or facts about Ed Gein in his case, like we said at the beginning of this episode, and we said before we started to talk about the movie itself, you can listen to Diagnosing a Killer wherever you can find on whatever podcast platform you prefer it's a the hosts are great they're i love it's it's rare for me to enjoy a true crime podcast mainly it all has to do with like the people hosting it and i think it's fun i think they the way they present it and the banter between the two of them and like their general like vibe from each other it's it's fun it doesn't come off as like Hey, we just researched this case five minutes ago and we decided to make a podcast about it. They take their time to really get deep into it. And like, even I find myself learning stuff that I didn't necessarily know about cases that I knew about. Like, for example, they did a episode on David Berkowitz Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And they talked about how the police were putting people like dressed like putting cops in cars and letting them sit at like lovers lanes and hoping that they would like catch Berkowitz that way. And I was able to be like, Oh, that's something that they did in the Texarkana moonlight massacre uh, murders with the phantom killer. So I thought that was cool, but that's just me. I'm a nerd. (laughs) Um, is that everything Did I, do we, do we do we have anything I mean, else to plug or say? Can I just say, um, yes, go listen to Diagnosis Killer. But if to the our listeners, if you give us some feedback on this one, because we're trying to change it up a little bit to you know to yes, educate this you guys episode's more so. very rough. Um, <laughs> we're still going to give you some of the stupid banter that we usually give you in the beginning. Um, but on the main subjects, we do want to give you more more detailed information so you can learn about these movies. Um, Please give us feedback. I know, you know, a lot of y'all, you know, Brady, you always tell us about how your buddies in the in the scene will reach out to you about about the show. But um to any of our listeners, if you have us on social media, you know, let us know how, you know, what you think about this, what can we do, you know, better and stuff like that. Give us feedback because if not, you know, we we let we let this just fucking eat us eat at us and we try to figure things out because we think, you know, our you know, what are we doing right? How can we keep this fresh? 
um, because we want to keep you guys, you know, entertained and stuff like that. And like I said, we'll, we'll still give you the funniness, you know, banter that we give usually in the start of the show, but on the well, main aspect someone, of the watch. Go ahead. If someone tells us that this 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 idea is stupid and we should go back to the original idea, Let we'll us discuss know. doing that yeah. too. Like, yeah, yeah, there are no bad ideas. Well, there's Except always for one bad idea. Usually no involving ideas, just somehow. <laughs> hey, I yeah, have squad. It. Laser squad. <laughs> Laser. But yeah, please let us let us know. You know, hit us up on social media and you know, give us a feedback. We want to hear feedback. Um, we we do have some exciting episodes planned uh, for mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. new structure. Which, again, we could do it on the old structure or not. But we we still got there's still movies there that we're gonna enjoy. Like spoiler, spring break's coming up. You know, I'm just saying. There might be a movie that is very spring break oriented that a couple of these bozos haven't seen that I absolutely love. Yeah. We might have a guest on here eventually <laughs> for the first time ever. Finally a guest. Well, I'm excited about. I mean, we technically have Lydia. <laughs> and and me. I was a guest. Someone that actually point. talks and watches <laughs> the movies with us. Yeah. <laughs> that won't become a host (laughs) um but no uh yeah like joe said just hit one of us up if you know us on social media hit hit our movication social media at movication pod on instagram let us know what you think um listen to diagnosing a killer be kind don't litter i love you Help me in this, guys. (laughs) Bye. Be kind. Rewind. Bye. Bye.